This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another edition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into science sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling figures or wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds, so to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper when you do the conversion rate. But don't worry, international people, they ship worldwide, so you can get all that fun stuff there as well. Like I said, use promo code THEPODCAST20. They update daily. They got everything from comic books, signed wrestling figures, signed sports memorabilia, anything you need or want for nerd culture and sports culture. It's literally there, so please visit them today. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Resident Evil, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format, so please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device it's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs to phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But the most important thing, the freest thing, the thing everyone should do, fuck all that other shit. Sorry, sponsors, but it's true. Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is the managing editor at Wrestling Inc., the host of Wrestling Inc. Daily Podcast, and also the co-host and producer for Pro Wrestling for Life with Sean X-Pac Waltman. He is also a commentator for Warrior Wrestling. How he found time to do this podcast is beyond me, Nick Hausman. Hi, Steve. What's going on, my friend? How are you today? I'm great. This is what's going on. <laughs> you know what? I've never had that response before, honestly. That's the first time. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I get asked it uh, occasionally, and that's my pretty pretty boilerplate standard response at this point. Well, what actually, Well, you know what? As much as small talk is nice and everything, what are you going to talk about? We're still in COVID. Same shit's still going on. You have anti-vaxxers. You have smart people. So what are you going to do, right? <laughs> Yeah, nice. I like the way you broke that down. You know, I get a lot of, I've gotten a lot of flack recently, I guess. Like, okay. I don't hate anti-vaxxers, but I think okay, anti-vaxxers okay. hate me. 
because I'm pro-vax. It's very odd. Like I, yeah, that's idiotic. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. We live in crazy times. Well, okay, I shouldn't say all anti-vaxxers because it's true for every form of anything in life. You can't, because some people medically really can't take the vaccine. You know what I mean? So for those people, sure, no problem. But the people who get their information off social media and die and live by that, I'm sorry, I, I can't be your friend. Yeah, well, and I know you guys up in Canada have had it uh, a little harder with access to the vaccine and stuff, so... Well, not recently, though. We're almost there. We're, our numbers keep dropping, and we're... I can't remember the rate, but it's it's over 70%, I think, at this point now. Yeah, for sure. I just know it took you guys a little longer. Oh, well, at the beginning, like... it was fucking horrible. Fuck that. We, we No, man. It, it looked like we were never going to get out of it. But now, we actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's good. Yeah, we're seeing some light down here too. So yeah, I'm optimistic, man. I'm hoping for a very positive, uh, positive holiday season. Yeah, exactly. That that would be nice. So, like I said, you're a very busy man. So thank you for being here. How'd you get into wrestling? What made you like wrestling? Like, what were your like your first memories? Well, I grew up in a real small town in Texas, and uh, you know, it just came on TV. I, I for whatever reason, like remember Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Oh, I think <laughs> I think that's like the first wrestler I ever saw, and okay. I just thought it was bright and colorful and fun. And uh, you know, I wound up. Uh, we had a Take One video, which was like our local little blockbuster, and they had their pro wrestling uh, section. And you know, I just kind of just fell into it. I just thought it was really interesting, you know, um, and just kind of took it from there. I think I was just like every little kid who just watches pro wrestling and. Thinks it's awesome and just kind of kept, you know, kind of stayed around in my life a little longer than others, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is true because a lot of people do become wrestling fans but then fall out of it, say, circa maybe like mid-high school way. Like, you know what I mean? That's usually the typical drop-off, right? Unless you're a fan. Once you pass that hump, I assume you're a fan for life, right? Yeah, exactly. So was it always WWE slash WWF that you grew up on or did you catch all the other stuff? Because, again, being from Canada, we were WWF eccentric, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, I was uh, definitely a WWF kid, but you know, I was, uh, I was into WCW too. You know, okay. I, uh, let's see, I was 12, 13 at the height of the Monday night wars, oh, um, sure. okay. you know, which is like, you know, prime, I think to have kind of been taking that in. Sure. Uh, because you know, when you're 12, 13, you don't really read wrestling sheets, you know, or know what's going on backstage. Yeah, you're right. So for me, just, you know, watching Razor Ramon and Diesel show up in WCW and like, I always thought WCW was like the more boring program, like the more adult program. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But when the when the NWO stuff happened, all of a sudden I was just like, oh, this is, this is kind (laughs) of cool, you know? So I, I, I channel flip back and forth like everybody when I didn't have Boy Scout meetings on Monday nights. Boy Scout meetings. You actually went to Boy Scout? You were a Boy Scout? Shut up. I'm an Eagle Scout. An Steve. Eagle? Oh, sorry. What's the difference? Again, I don't know. From Again, being from Canada, I don't think we even have Boy Scouts or Eagle Scouts up here. Uh, Eagle Scout is the top honor that you can get in, in Boy Scouts. So. Okay. I was. I, I, I finished I finished it so all the way through. So. so you could tie a knot properly then? <laughs> That's the only yeah, thing man, I know. <laughs> Give me some rope. I, I tie all kinds of knots. Slip knots. I can do hitches. You know what, what you got? You want? What do you? What do you need? I got your knots. If you want to talk knots, I can talk knots. <laughs> okay, I don't think people tuned in for that. <laughs> can you imagine though a whole podcast about tying knots? Half hitch, square hitch, two hitches. Oh, <laughs> what, what do you want to talk about? Square knots. 
Holland. That's hilarious. Okay, so what made you want to like be in the wrestling world and make it your your everyday thing, man? Well, uh, it, it, it kind of came to me oh. in a lot of weird ways. I okay. came, moved to Chicago um, to go pursue comedy, which I did for a number of years, and wound up uh, befriending Colt Cabana for a time. And nice. you know, we were pretty close for a while, and and. Uh, after teaching Colt how to do Chicago style comedy, he mm. invited me to, to do some Chicago style pro wrestling, and that's what <laughs> led to me being a manager for many years. And oh, then after okay. after uh, messing my neck up on a couple bad bumps oh, and attempting to have a wrestling match and getting completely blown up, uh, I realized that uh, the grind of pro wrestling is probably not for me. But I really okay. enjoyed being around pro wrestling, sure. and so I just, just, you know, I was reading all the dirt sheets anyway. Um, and uh, when I just before I turned thirty, I listened to some Adam Carolla podcast where he talked about how he didn't start doing comedy till he was thirty because he believes every man at thirty should just pick a direction and go with it, okay. even if it has nothing to do with what you've been doing. <laughs> sure. So I just decided I could I could probably pundit and write about wrestling better than a lot of people who have never been in or around the business, mm-hmm. um, which turned out to be a pretty good bet because uh, you know after six short years I've you know managed the top two pro wrestling news websites on the planet and uh, you know get to meet and work with some really cool people. So that's the that's the short version of it. No, that's perfect. Now, uh, again, I've had a lot of comedians on the show, so I want to touch a bit on this comedy now. When Gosh. was this like, like you said, this is your first thing? Did you always want to be a comic as a child? Was that the thing you thought you were honestly going to be a stand-up comedian? Yeah, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I, uh, you know, when I was, God, how old was I? So, what are you in seventh grade? You're like, yeah, what are you? How? So, this guy got to count backwards. So, you got twelve, Nine? five. My, so I, when I was like 12 or 13, 12, that's it, yeah. Yeah. So like 12, when I was like 12 or 13, um, I was never very good at sports. I tried soccer. I tried basketball. Okay. Um, I think basketball is probably the sport that I was maybe best at, but I still wasn't even very good. And I was really, I just really enjoyed, like, it was the dawn of Comedy Central. Gallagher specials were all the way, right? You know, mm-hmm. Gallagher, remember? Carrot Top, of all course. the prop comedy stuff. Yep. Bobby Hill styled stuff and so uh, I thought that stuff was just hilarious and um, I found out there was a little open mic in my hometown at a place called Ruby Begonias and I asked my parents if I could uh, try to do comedy Mm -hmm. because I thought it was something I could have fun with and uh, I went up there and alongside of a bunch of adults I did a prop comedy set at like 12 years old and uh, wow. it was really good. <laughs> like I had a, I got approached by an agent afterwards, and um, yeah, I, I think comedy was my drive. But like, I became a theater kid by default because there really mm-hmm. wasn't another. There was, I mean, there was like, I, you know, I did the improv club and stuff. But like, sure. you know, theater kind of seemed like an extension of that. And so, okay. you know, I wound up, I, you know, I wound up doing. I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I wound up doing pretty well at theater. I got accepted to North Carolina School for the Performing Arts, oh, and um, wound up passing on that to come study here in Chicago and learn on the streets about comedy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, com- comedy was always kind of my uh, front of mind, and then like wrestling stuff kind of came later, just kind of as, as a pivot away. 
Now, would you want it? Say wrestling finished for whatever reason, game over, no wrestling existed. Would you want to go back into comedy? Uh, yeah, I've talked about it with a couple friends recently. Oh, okay. Uh, I still like one of my co-hosts on the Wrestling Inc. Daily on Tuesdays, EJ Cameron. He's a Second City ETC cast member. So like the way Second City Chicago works. Sure. Um, I believe you guys have a Second City yep. in Toronto. Of course we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my comedy. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, the, so like main stage is like six cast members and like two alternates usually. Okay. And then ETC... Like, I don't want to call it NXT. It's more like a SmackDown Raw type deal because both shows are, like, gotcha. really, really good. Sure. So EJ is, like, one of the top 12 comedians in, the uh, in like, the city of Chicago and, like, definitely, like, top tiered in the world right now. He was supposed to have an SNL audition oh, wow. about a month ago but uh, got COVID and had to oh. miss it. Can you, like, can you imagine that? That sucks. Like, uh, like Lorne Michaels is coming to the theater, and they're like, "We're going to show you our best comedians that can go on to be famous." And like a couple days before that, you you get popped for COVID, and you have to go uh, sit at home and smoke a bowl and eat a bag of chips while your friends are all <laughs> right. Perform for Lorne Michaels. So I, I have a lot of friends in comedy. I was cool. Just reminiscing with a couple friends the other night, and I just the, the problem with it is Steve is the grind. Right, you know, it's just being That's in clubs at night, yeah. long nights, it sucks, like, if you don't stay to the end of the show, everyone makes, like, thinks you're an asshole, sure. you know. The politics, man. Yeah, there's, I mean, like, I think I'd kind of, I think I'd be able to maneuver the politics better now, I mean, especially <laughs> as, as long as I have been in pro wrestling. True. Uh, but, like, that's, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons I... You know, I like the the role I have now. You know, I work. I wake up early. I work throughout the day. I try to knock off by five or six, and then spend my nights mm. with my dog and my girlfriend. There you um, go. Not in that order. I should have said her first. <laughs> no, now we know how you really feel. Come on. Because <laughs> yeah, I just walked her. It's like I just walked my dog Willow, and I was thinking about her. So anyway, uh, you know, it's 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 a young man's game in a lot of ways. But I think it'd sure. be fun. Like I was doing more improv than than stand up. Um, Maybe uh, maybe maybe try to go back to a little improv. I certainly have some weird stories now for pro wrestling. I think that would make for some good uh, good material. So now with your comedy background, I actually had this conversation last week because I had a, a Toronto comedian actually has a wrestling podcast too, Casey Corbin, and I brought it up. Do you like comedy in wrestling? Do I like comedy? Yeah. When comedy wrestling is done right, yeah, I think it's great. You know, uh, I think unfortunately, like. You know, comedy can be a very nuanced art form. Um, so, like, there's a lot of comedy in pro wrestling that kind of falls flat. I, I, I think that it has its, I, you know, funny doesn't draw monies, the, you know, genuine or the general consensus when it comes to comedy and pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I tend to lean on that being true. I don't think fans are, I think that you can have some comedy, right? I think you can even have a comedy a comedy wrestler or two who, who that's their thing. Like I think, sure. you know, you know, obviously our truth is, is made of work and God bless him. He's a great performer and good guy from what I gather. I wish he'd unblock me on Twitter. I don't know what I said. Uh-oh. Um, but like fans come cause they want that visceralness in pro wrestling. And so like one of my, one of my big criticisms of NXT, um, NXT 1.0, I guess before 2.0, sure. maybe even <laughs> I think there's less, but like, NXT had become like the comedy product. Mm. Like there was just like every like there was there's there's like the Garganos are always doing something funny. Cameron Grimes is always doing something funny. Yeah, I see what you're saying. 
there, there, everybody seemed to have some kind of comedy spin. Sure. Even like a hardcore badass serial killer like Dexter Loomis like <laughs> fell in like it's yep. still kind of. Now he's like a com- he's like a comedy murderer. <laughs> um, so I, I think it, when it's done properly, can can be effective, especially to break the mood or, or change up your cadence. But um, I don't think that comedy is the primary focus of a wrestling product. Probably, I mean, I prove me wrong. If there's somebody out there that wants to do an all comedy wrestling show, make tons sure. of money, you know. But I, I think that the the, the gravity, the seriousness, the intensity, those those are the things that drive wrestling fans. Well, but here's the thing, though. If you know it's going to be an all-comedic wrestling show, then you know where you're going into, so you're not going to be disappointed. Now, if, if you present it as, like, say, Raw or SmackDown, that it's serious and it's all comedy, then I think people are going to be disappointed, right? Yeah, and, well, you know, I, I actually, now that I think about it, like, you know, I, I produced a couple show, wrestling shows here in Chicago <laughs> with my buddy Marcus Crane. Okay. who uh, is like a big deathmatch wrestler. Sure. And, you know, Marcus did the booking. I was more just kind of helping facilitate. Okay. But he booked the craziest fucking show I've ever seen in my entire life. We did it like three of them, I think. They're called Vivola Wrestling. Okay, okay. You know, you had altar priests chasing altar boys around. Oh my God. Strippers, male <laughs> strippers. And, like, everything was, like, kind of fun. But, like, it had an edge, to it as gotcha. well, okay. right? Because like the main event was a death match, right? Where right, they just right. destroyed the place. You know? Okay. <laughs> there, was da- there was still an element of danger amongst all the comedy, and I think that what I'm saying is like, if you were if you try to make it too jokey and remove the edge, I don't know. I don't know. Like at that point, mm. you're just doing sketch comedy. You That's know? true too. Yeah, I never thought of it in that way too. You're right. You're so, right. Because anyway. it's hard because, yeah, because what makes, to me, my favorite wrestling comedic segments are the background skits. It's not in-ring stuff. Like the in-ring comedy, I don't think, I'm not really a big fan of because it's, like you said, it's not done correctly. And I don't think anyone has found a way to do it correctly. But the backstage stuff and the interviews, when it's done right, oh, fantastic. Like that early rock shit with with Cole, right? Like who who will ever forget that stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, again, like the, like I think it's better as Garnish. It's certainly not the That's steak, true. right? Uh, I like that analogy. Yeah. Yes, it's just no. It's just knowing how to use it. You know, like true. I'm not saying that comedy does have a place in pro wrestling. I just don't think, personally, it's like it's difficult to make it the forefront. I'll, I'll put true. it that way. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Okay, so what came first, writing about wrestling or commentating wrestling? Uh, neither. Uh, oh. I was manager. You know, like I said, like I, uh, I was out there on weekends, pretty much every weekend for four or five years. Okay. Uh, as Ronaldo Piven. Okay. Really. Uh, and you know, learning the art of being a manager, um, learning how to talk to wrestlers. You know, learning about how matches get put together, and um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of great. I had some some crazy memories that were maybe not great, but you know, largely a lot of great memories. I met a lot of met a lot of great people. I was I managed Mustafa Ali, oh, there Mustafa Ali for a while, yeah, um, and we became close friends. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, and then it was like, yeah, you know, again, like writing about wrestling, commenting wrestling. That was all stuff that didn't require me getting hit. Um, so that's why I do that stuff now. I mean, I've I've done pretty much every role in pro wrestling. The only thing I've never done in wrestling is be a referee. And I feel okay. like at some point I'll probably ref a match. 
just to say I did. So there. So what's the craziest? Okay, how about this? So since you were commentating, what's the weirdest thing to happen? And what's the match that you called that you thought in a million years you'd never call? Um, what's the match? What's the okay? Well, first of all, the match I never thought I would call in a million years. I called Rey Mysterio's final independent wrestling match. Oh shit. But, Nice. He uh, he was supposed to. We all knew he was going to WWE. I think it had like been announced, right. but he was like fulfilling his indie bookings, and so he did the War of Attrition. Ma- I believe it was the War of Attrition match, the first one where Brian Cage walked away with the the Warrior Championship. Oh right, yes, yes, and yes. It was just crazy. Like I got to call six one nine. You know, West Coast <laughs> Bob. Like all this stuff. I was like, sure, it was ridiculous. I got to call David Arquette uh, oh. and Frank the Clown. Okay. Versus, no, it was David Arquette and RJ City versus RG Frank City. the Clown yeah. and Ego, Robert Ego Anthony. That was pretty cool. I, I honestly, like, I really love Frank the Clown. Okay. Like, Frank Frank is, on many occasions, mostly coaxed by me, uh, credited with me with getting him into the actual business side of it, where he's now oh, wow. a successful manager. And I guess he wrestles. Sure. Um, but, like, I just love – I like Frank – as a person, I like Frank as a performer. I think he has a lot of respect for the business and knows how to get heat the right way. And when we brought Mick Foley into Warrior Wrestling, mm. and Mick and Frank had a confrontation, we weren't allowed to call it a match. Sure. Because Mick didn't do matches anymore. That's right. But they had a confrontation. <laughs> this is, you know, Frank the Clown dates Mick's daughter, Noelle Foley. And right. So, right. Uh, getting to uh, Mick was Mick was my hero growing up, and getting to call Mick Foley, you know, pulling out Barbie the barbed wire bat, <laughs> lighting Mick, lighting Frank the Clown's balls on fire, oh, like that was pretty freaking cool. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then what was the first question? What was the what was like the, the weirdest thing? Maybe that was the weirdest thing that you called. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty weird. Um, there. Most of my stuff's been at Warrior. I did call some Black Label Pro action. I called oh, okay. one. I called like half of a GCW show one time. The weird, I mean, like <coughs> weirdest thing I've ever called. Um, we had a helicopter land a couple wrestling couple shows ago for Warrior. Oh, Frank, wow. again, a freak story. Frank came in in a helicopter. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, wow. Weird. I don't know. I called Alberto Pel- Patron versus Jack Swagger. That was just weird because he's a weirdo. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm probably the Mick, Mick torching Frank the Clown's balls. Let's go with that. That's pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. That is a good one. Okay, so obviously being an editor too, when did that start up? And what exactly are your duties as a managing editor? Um, well, I uh, started off as a guy who did... Um, post-show stuff for WrestleZone after like months of trying to knock down Nick Paglino's door at WrestleZone finally got some time got in to start doing post-shows and then I wanted to make more money and Nick said you can make more money if you uh, write news or help us aggregate news so I started aggregating news and I was still doing the post-shows and then I started doing interviews with wrestlers which was cool and then there was uh, Nick wound up exiting WrestleZone about two years into my time there, and I knew that they the position was going to become available. Um, Justin Labar held it for like a half second, but he always didn't want the job. They just kind of gave it to him out of tenureship, and that's when I just really I was like, I'm never going to make any money sure. working as a beat writer. I'll be management. 
let me be the yet. I was like, I'm 30 at the time. I was like 32. I was like, I've worked in sales offices. I have real world experience. I've been in the business. Like, why not Nick Hausman as the man, as the executive editor for WrestleZone? And I, uh, so I got that job, which was very fulfilling. I, I'm very thankful to, to mandatory for giving me that job. Um, but it was just not the greatest fit for me over at WrestleZone because okay. like, uh, uh, and again, great people, great site, really no issues. It was it was just because like they were mandatory. The company that owns WrestleZone, it's a very large company that owns like dozens of men's lifestyle websites, right? Okay. Um, some of them like ComingSoon.net, and like I think they own Comic Book. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. some of them are really successful. Sure. And um, we were just not the priority. Right. Like, you know, as, as great as it was to make more money and just kind of manage the day to day. And I was in charge of hiring and mm. getting to kind of do whatever I wanted. It's like, you know, they were never going to pay for me to go to an event. You know, I want to go cover WrestleMania. Cool. Well, why don't you pay for it yourself? No, oh, shit. Not, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it just became frustrating knowing that I, the site had more potential and that I felt I could do more. So of course. Uh, Raj and I met at a new japan pro wrestling show in california okay i think yeah if i'm getting right and i was dressed very nicely and we hit it off and it wasn't like he was trying to poach me from wrestle zone he was just kind of like oh you know what do you want to do would you ever you know would you you know are are you happy you know kind of i was like oh you know this that you know the other you know if if the situation ever changed you know happy to talk to you and mm. kind of left at that. And so when I became, you know, not totally satisfied at WrestleZone, I, I called Raj and I was just like, Hey dude, like what does a job with you look like? Sure. And that's, that's when we, uh, that's when he hired me on, uh, as the managing editor for okay. wrestling Inc. And my role has been to do the daily. Uh, I do a lot of interviews. Okay. Uh, those interviews get chopped up and turned into posts that people, that do tons of traffic. I mean, I would, I would, you know, when I walk around wrestling shows, I'm like, I bet 90% of these people here have read something regarding my work. Right. You know, it's in their lives. Um, and I, I do a lot of like, I, I manage the team. I help facilitate, you know, who's writing what news items assign different articles. Um, Raj and I get to do more kind of big picture thinking stuff. We're focusing a lot more on videos right now. Okay. Like, how do we get more out of our video content? What are, sure. you know, creative video ideas? You know, again, like social media stuff. Let's have a, let's talk for an hour about what we're going to do at TikTok. You know, every day is a little bit different about what my topics are. Actually, you know, I, uh, I don't know if I'm uh, be breaking any news here, but I don't know that I'll be hosting the daily every day anymore here pretty soon. Oh, wow. um, just because the site has grown so quickly in the time that I've been, if you look at it, this, the site's been completely redesigned. We're putting out a ton more content. Mm-hmm. It takes me about four hours Oof. or so every day to, to produce the wrestling Inc daily, the way that I like to do it. Sure. And that's way too much time <laughs> for me to be dedicated to a project that, you know, when we know that there's so many other things right now that they kind of need to be done. So, of no, nothing's official. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to still be doing interviews and have a presence on the site, very large presence on the site. But, um, you know, it's it's whatever needs to be done, man. You know, writing, podcasting, videos, whatever. That's that's my job. Oh, that's cool. Okay, one thing I do want to know. Now, 
obviously in this new age world that we're in where you have all the keyboard warriors, this cancel culture society, are you ever scared of putting up an article and you're like waiting like, fuck, I know something, someone's going to say something about this. And have you ever taken down an article because of backlash? I've never <laughs> taken down an article because okay. of people's opinions. We have oh. retracted we have retracted articles because we were given bad information. Okay, that know, makes sense. Post retractions and things like that. Um, uh, do I? So yes, I put things out all the time. I know that are going to like ruffle some feathers. You know, op, you know the the big one for me recently. We had a Rory Carf on um, the Daily about a month ago. Okay. And Rory directed Ric Flair's Thirty for Thirty documentary oh, sure. for ESPN, and um, we were supposed so the we were supposed to talk the Thursday that Dark Side of the Ring, the Plane Ride from Hell episode came out, and then I had heard that hey, this is going to be a Ric Flair piece here. There's going to be some stuff on Rick that's maybe not so good. Uh, okay. And so I asked Rory, I was like, hey, could we do it Friday, like so I can get your reaction to whatever happens? Sure. Makes sense. In the documentary. And I connected with Roy, man. And you know, the guy hadn't really slept. He was really beat up. You know, the way that he had kind of portrayed Rick exposing himself and those kinds of stories in the, in the ESPN piece was more comedic, mostly because, like, the people he was talking to were friends of Rick that didn't want to portray Rick in a negative light. They Makes certainly, sense. You know, flight attendants that he had sexually assaulted. Right. Um, and, you know... I wrote up, we wrote up some of Rory's comments about how he kind of had regrets about, you know, how he presented those aspects of it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was very clear that the actions of Rick were, were wrong and all that. Right. Um, and then when Rick decides to issue his response to these allegations, he pulled a line from my interview with Rory. It was, it was a, he pulled it and he made, it took it completely out of context where Rory had talked about how he had talked to Rick's friends and nobody had ever said anything like this. And Rick tried to kind of point to that as like, see, I'm, I'm innocent. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when something that is something that I have done finds its way into Rick Flair's sexual assault response, that's, that's really kind of some next level stuff. Like that's right. like, how do you ever imagine you're going to find yourself in a position like that? Oh my god, that's crazy! Oh man, okay. So, what's the thing that annoys you the most about being managing editor? The thing that annoys me the most. Yeah. Um, what is the thing that annoys me the most about my job? Uh, I mean, I just—it's probably time. You know, like I a don't have enough of it, or <laughs> b uh, there is none. <laughs> like I don't know. Like I work a lot. You know, I work a lot, and especially between you know the work I do for wrestling Inc. And then of course, you know, working with Sean Waltman on, on his podcast for wrestling for life mm-hmm. and then finding time to do fun things like this, or, you know, going to go call warrior wrestling or going, I'm doing, I, I got a, I'm doing a panel at wizard world next weekend. And then I'm, I got nice. a panel at C2E2 the weekend after, you know, I bill after wants me to come play Tony Clifton at this <laughs> New York, you know, international pro wrestling hall of fame thing, you know, whatever, like, I, uh, the the most annoying yet probably whiny thing because I don't want to complain about it, but it's just sure. like finding finding time. Like even this interview we did had to be bumped around because like things just kind of came up yesterday. So I think that you know just not having enough 
maybe personal time is, is maybe my biggest annoyance, but not not anything I'm really complaining about. There you go. You should be a politician, man. <laughs> it's a nice neutral answer. You don't want to throw in nothing under the bus. <laughs> Well, I, it's true, though. You know, no, I hear I mean, you. I hear you. I like everybody I work with. I really do. That's I think awesome. we have a fantastic team. I mean, I get to work with Sean Waltman. I talk to Sean several times a week. There you go. Exactly. I, it's not the people. It's not the work. It's just like, it's just, I say yes to a lot of things <laughs> in my DNA, I guess. And just not having enough. Like, I, I probably don't put enough time aside just like for me a lot of times. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. Now, when did the whole podcasting thing start at Wrestling Inc.? Uh, right from the get. Oh, okay. I, I was, I was like, I was doing, you know, the post Do, shows both. over on Russell Zone and, okay. and before Russell Zone. Uh, you know, I had, I had done some podcasting on my own. I did something called the Nick Hausman Show, where I was just like interviewing people I thought were interesting. Sure. And so I've, you know, I've been, I've been podcasting. I'd say regularly for. Almost maybe a decade now. Oh shit! I think like now I feel old. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, something happened weird a few weeks ago. I interviewed uh, Alex came from uh, MLW, right? And I've been podcasting longer than he's been wrestling. And to me, that just I was like, oh my god! That's when I was like, holy shit! <laughs> you know, that's when you know you're getting old. <laughs> one of those things when the, the people i'm interviewing they just keep getting younger and younger you know i i definitely i definitely feel like i i feel like an old dog in the yard at this point so okay for those who haven't heard the podcast first off you do a every day right it's daily so I, I, and it's all about wrestling i assume yes yeah uh, wrestling you know when i have christy olsen on sometimes we kind of tangent and go off oh yeah of course shows but yeah largely mostly about wrestling Okay, now, I don't have wrestlers or wrestling people in the industry like yourself on every week. And sometimes it's hard for me to talk about wrestling all the time. How the hell do you do it on a daily basis, my friend? Uh, uh, you know, it's, you know, they say do what you love and you never work a day in your life. Um, sure. You know, I, uh, it is, uh, it can be, you know, there's some days where just kind of nothing happened or, you know, there's something I don't really want to talk about, but I have to where, you know, you just, you put together your three, four minutes of, you know, your take and put it out there and hope it resonates. Um, but most days, like I actually, you know, really enjoy getting to, to have conversations. You know, I, I like to talk, I like to talk about deeper stuff, you know, okay, like, so that's because these guys don't only just review all the shows that are on every day. You talk about other shit, right? Well, I do the news show. We okay. have review shows that are at night after all the major shows. You know, the Wrestling Inc. podcast has got an amazing team of Raj and Issa and Jack Farmer and Glenn Rubenstein and all these wonderful Alfred Kanawa, J- Justin Labar, great, great people that do the post shows. Oh. I'm really not good at night. My brain is fried and I usually been drinking. So, <laughs> there you, go. I, you know, I'm better. <laughs> I'm better during the day. Um when it comes to working and, and, and punditing. But yeah, I don't do review shows. I do a news show. So like right. I pull whatever people have been talking about on the site in the past 24 hours and okay. we just dive into it. And, and you know, the stuff that a lot of people are really interested in that drives the most traffic mm-hmm. is not always like what happened on raw, you know, right. a lot of times like, you know, we'll go back to the Ric Flair story, for example, here, right. like that's its own, like, you know, I if know. you're just doing raw SmackDown reviews, you don't really have a lane to talk about the uh, the issue of sexual assaults in professional wrestling. You know, right. I think that with the media, 
and I try not to be too hard on the pro wrestling media because I'm like a part of it, but it worries me how um, the pro wrestling media is really good about getting insight into contracts and injuries mm-hmm. and drama and sure. why people aren't getting pushed. But like stories about assault, stories about violence and intimidation, like the pro wrestling press is so dependent on their sources and relationships with the companies. Like really bad behavior goes so unaccounted for in pro wrestling. And that doesn't really happen in politics. It doesn't happen in legitimate sports. Mm -hmm. Like there's always some kind of truth to power between the media and the genre they're covering. And I just don't see it a lot in professional wrestling. And so when I get to talk to Rory Karf and I get to have a conversation with my listeners about like, hey, let's talk about the real problem here of the way that men have treated women in professional wrestling of and like course. what we can do to create a better environment and like holding people accountable and talking about a lot of stuff that I think a lot of other people would be scared to because they're like, oh, my God, if I say that Tommy Dreamer's uh, apology is disingenuine because – uh, you know, he apologizes because you're upset and not because I did something wrong. Right. Then maybe Tommy Dreamer will stop leaking information to me. <laughs> maybe Impact Wrestling won't let me talk to Rohit Raju. Like, it's bullshit. And yeah. um, I just, I, there are such like surface level types of stories that the wrestling media has become accustomed to. And there's a real fear about digging deeper. And so like, I like to have those conversations and be real with my audience and not be scared to, to talk about that stuff because, you know, I just, I think it's a, it's been an issue in, in pro wrestling for too long that, you know, there's not enough truth to power, so to speak. So no, that totally makes sense. Of course, of course. Now, since you guys are live every day, has there any been serious fuck ups on air or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we have really? tech issues. Well, yeah, yeah, well, that could happen to anyone, right? Yeah. But you don't have, like, live callers or anything, like, stuff like that or segments like that? No, we don't do live callers. It's me and my co-hosts. Like, you know, sometimes we get into passionate debates, but, like, I've never okay. – I don't think I've ever edited anything out of the news portion. Oh, shit. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, my podcast. Even stuff that I say that I'm like, eh, man, you know, <laughs> maybe – Maybe you should maybe you should cut that one out, but you know I think it's good to sh- I think it's good to have uh, transparency. You know I don't want people to think I'm hiding anything from them. You know, um, I so like I, fuck ups. Uh, I'll say this because I don't work for them anymore. Okay. Um, when I was I used to work for a company called One Twenty Sports. They're now a Stadium. Okay. Um, which is just kind of like a sports app kind of platform. Mm-hmm. Um. Me and Justin Labar were their wrestling talking heads. Each week we'd come into this. I'd go to the studio, wear a nice outfit. They'd throw like the top five stories of the week. We'd give like one minute sizzles and then they'd put them out on all these platforms and stuff. So anyway, Justin and I both go to Dallas for WrestleMania. Or I think I went to Dallas. I don't know if Justin was there. So I went to Dallas for WrestleMania. They want me to do uh, a live uh, call in to their studio show at like 730, 8 o'clock in the morning. Like early. Okay, the right. day after WrestleMania. Oh, shit. And so <laughs> WrestleMania, of course, goes forever. Yep. And then we all go out and get blasted, and I wound up getting, like, snuck into the WWE after party. Oh, wow. and, like, 
wound up like hanging out with Kofi Kingston and the Miz did his Andy Kaufman impression for me and it was delightful little night, right? Nice. But then I go to a hotel, I pass out, okay. my alarm goes off, and I'm just haggard, right? right? I go into the bathroom <laughs> and I like take off my pajamas and uh, there were a couple other guys piled up in the room so i'm like the only place you could do this spot is the bathroom because everybody sleep right so i take my laptop into the bathroom i take off my pajamas i take off my shirt i start to button my shirt and i just i just sat down on the toilet with no pants on i just felt so gross and i put the laptop like on this table in front of the toilet so they could just see me from the like button wow. up, up okay. kind of like my hair over, and uh, when Justin and I connected, he's like, "You look like shit." And I was like, "I fucking feel terrible." Wow. And, uh, did did the spot, and it's the only time I've ever done <laughs> done oh any God. kind of video content with no pants on, and yeah. nobody knew. <laughs> oh my god that is odd. but you know what i respect that more than someone not calling in i would rather someone come in even if it's 10 percent, because at least you're trying and it shows you care versus just brushing it off and not even being there you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i'm a trooper i got a gun steve <laughs> That's awesome. So that's not the only podcast. Obviously, we've been talking about it, and you brought it up yourself with Sean Waltman, <clears throat> Pro Wrestling for Life. So how did all this come to be? Well, when I was a manager on the Indies, I wound up meeting Sean, uh, so probably a, like a decade plus ago at this point. Okay. Um, and I did a sh- we did a show together in Madison, Wisconsin, where there was like 10 people that showed up. And... I I wound up I remember that I, I like cut a really good promo in the ring that night because I was like there was some auto show in town and like all okay. the people pull their lawn chairs out and they sit on their lawns and they watch these cars go through the streets or whatever and I was just ragging them as yokels for you know sitting there ogling the, the, the cars or whatever and it, it was just good old school heat like I remember the, sure. the promo hit and so Sean comes out he took on Hardcore Craig he wound up uh, getting concussed pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And after the show, the promoter asked me if I would just like hang out with Sean to make sure he didn't fall asleep and die um, because he was roughed up. Right. So I go over Sean. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Nick Houseman. He's like, dude, I loved your promo tonight. Your your promo was great. (laughs) I was like, oh, cool. I'm supposed to just hang out with you for the rest of the night. And he was just like super cool. I watched him like sign all these autographs for kids and stuff. And like then we went to the bar and. I I dropped him off at the bar and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go walk to the other side of the room and just kind of give him some space because I'd been like around him for like an hour and a half. I go to talk to some friends. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like hanging out with Sean Waltman, you know, (laughs) and Sean beelines it from the bar over to me and is like, dude, why aren't you hanging out with me? I was like, oh, I just was trying to give you space. Let's hang, you know, so we wound up. We stayed up all night with a bunch of people. I think I was so excited, I wound up buying like 80 beers and just telling everybody, wow. come to my room. Or we went to Sean's room. It was a suite. I was like, let's all go to Sean's suite. Oh, my God. So we stayed good friends. And then after that, we did right. another show where it was the outfield of a minor league baseball stadium. And Sean requested 
I manage his opponent oh. so that uh, I could get heat and he could get a bigger pop. And that was like Smart. a huge compliment. Of course. And that was the match where Sean tore his asshole for the first time. Oh, the infamous one. Yes. Yeah. So like he goes to do the Bronco Buster. Jay Bradley, who I was managing, <sighs> rolled out of the ring. And I've told this story a hundred times, but whatever. The bottom turnbuckle didn't have any padding wrapped around it. So mm-hmm. Sean goes to do the, you know, Bronco Buster yeah. and just fucking taint first right into a big piece of steel. Rips Ugh. his ass in half. Pulls his taint right in half. And then he rolls out of the ring. And uh, I instinctively, like, Jake grabs the referee. And so I do the setup was go over and just start, you know, kicking Sean. Of course. So I go over uh, while the ref's distracted. I start throwing these boots. And I'll never forget Sean looking up at me and going, I ripped my asshole in half. And I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, he's like, keep kicking me. I need to recover. Just keep kicking me. And I was like, okay. So I'm just sitting here putting the boot to Sean as the good friend that I am because that's what you do. You literally kick your friend when he's down and his asshole. And we get to the back later and I had to go. I had some date. I I felt really bad about it. Uh, But Sean was like on a table in the back face down and I was like, dude, like, is there anything I can do? And he's like, you can hold a towel in between my ass cheeks to like get the blood. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to do that sorry right. <laughs> i don't blame you but we just i mean like you know that's where we met and we just kind of stayed right. in touch we stayed friends and you know when he did xbox one two three sixty he'd have me on his show oh okay you know, talked about the punk cabana trial we talked sure. you know, he just he just liked me he'd bring me on you know whatever then when he, he stopped on the podcast for a while he brought it back it was like not like uh, very well organized okay. at that point and that's when he asked me if i could step in and you know, I, th- I actually, I, forget, I don't know if he asked me or if I was like, hey, dude, like, I see you're obviously struggling right now. You seem frustrated. You know, would you be interested, you know, in doing this? And mm-hmm. uh, he said, yeah, and we've just been off to the races here for the past six, seven months. It's been a blast. Oh, that's awesome. Well, okay, I got to, okay, one of my biggest pet peeves and things that I hate the most about doing podcasting is scheduling guests and all that. Everyone knows that I talk about it every so often. But Dealing with people like your everyday people, like for example, one of the latest episodes, you're supposed to have like fan interaction where someone called in some kind of game show, correct? Oh yeah, Jesse, yeah, he no showed us. Right? So what the f- who no shows Xbox? Who does that? Uh, it, he uh, that was actually kind of an interesting. That was kind of a funny story. Uh, I, he said he had a family. Afterwards, I got an email. He had a family emergency. Oh, so I okay. So I apologize. I don't want to rag on him too hard. Sure. I don't really know. If, you know, if something happened, and you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not. We weren't butt hurt about it. It was a five minute segment we were supposed to do. Okay. Um, but that was a funny. The funny story was Jesse uh, was actually a writer briefly at Wrestling Inc. and it oh. just didn't work out. Okay. It didn't work out. And I had to send him the email where I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry. You know, it didn't work out. Unfortunately, at this time, but we'll keep your info. Maybe we'll do something down the road." Right, right. He's like, "I totally understand. Also, I would love to be on Sean's podcast as doing a game." And I was like, "Hey, well, you know what? Consolation prize. I'm firing you, but you can come do this show." <laughs> and um, that's hilarious. And I thought it was like going to be this awesome bit where I brought him on, and right. it was like, "Sean, I fired this guy, but he still wants to do the show." But uh. Say la vie didn't work out. A good guy, though. I like Jesse. It was just a funny story. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I usually like to end the show with a word story of the week. But before we get to the word story of the week, now, is there anything else you want to do pertaining to wrestling that you haven't done yet? 
I mean, not... I mean, like, I guess I'd like to make a decent stab at actually, like, promoting my own thing kind of consistently for a little while oh. at some point. I okay. feel like, you know, uh, I'm not saying anything that isn't already out there, but, like, you know, Sean is uh, interested in, you know, maybe promoting some of his own shows, you know, when he makes his comeback and, you mm-hmm. know, getting to work with Sean on promoting a real wrestling company would be super cool. Um, I have, like, I have like one idea, but I don't want to say it out loud because somebody will steal it. Um, As is but, always. But I guess maybe, I guess, you know, giving it a, a formal go as a promoter at some point would probably be something I'd like to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Now, okay. What do you, this is the other thing I was wanting to know too. What do you say to those people that are like, what the fuck does this guy know? Why does he talk about wrestling? In your case, I know you have a background in it, but for most people who report on wrestling, don't. And I'm sure you have people on your payroll that have never wrestled in their life, right? So what do you say to those people that say that they've never wrestled? How could they report on it? Um, well, uh, some of my favorite pro wrestling reporters have never been in the business. I mean, like, I don't think you need to have been in the business to talk about the business. Because, okay. like, uh, I am a college dropout, um, but I have friends that have journalism degrees. And, uh, I, I learned so much from them, you know, I almost wish I had one considering what I do. Uh, and people that come in and know how to do journalism the right way, especially investigative journalism, and they haven't been in the business can sometimes be like more neutral and, uh, can kind of look at things more for what they are and not what they want them to be. Um, a good example of that. And I know he's, uh, struggling right now and I know he gets some, some, some grief out there for you know stupid opinions or whatever but david bixon span is a, a mm. guy i think uh uh does a lot of really 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 good work in the pro wrestling space and he's one of the few people that is not afraid to ask hard questions put out you know information that he knows is not going to win him friends and there are just not enough people in the journalism side of pro wrestling that do things like that now, since we're almost at the end of the year, who do you think's been the best wrestler of 2021? You know, that was I thought I I, ha, I mean it's got to be Reigns, right? I know that they said Kenny Omega in the right? WWE 100, but it's got to be Reigns. Like, okay. you know, I think he did the heel turn like kind of towards the end of last year, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, this has been the year where it's really you know, it's it, how how do you not say Reigns? He's the the top dog and the top arguably the top company you know you're getting a version of him that's compelling and different and not the norm and like you yeah. how is it not roman reigns I, I don't i don't get it no i don't get it either because this is what everyone wanted like it's like you see what i mean this is what i hate about being a wrestling fan myself and being in in the so-called bubble because I, I like that point of like how you said people who are in the wrestling bubble don't realize what goes outside and vice versa like you know what i mean because you know how many people were i have like a huge wrestler on and i'm like oh this one's gonna bring in huge ratings this is this and that then all of a sudden i see the comments like who's this guy i'm like that's right not everyone watches wrestling so if you're not in the bubble you don't think this person's a superstar right yeah, yeah i think i think roman is my pick i think i mean you're right i think so too yeah no kidding no kidding so of all the hats that you actually wear which is the hardest the hardest is probably news um just and I don't really know. I mean, I'll just say this. Okay. I had I hear um, and know about a lot of bad things in pro wrestling. I could only imagine that 
for one reason or another, um, sometimes because the people who are affected don't want it talked about or because I can't get another source on it, I can't report. And knowing some of the stuff that I do and knowing there's nothing I can do about it, Mm -hmm. literally put me back in therapy. Oh, shit. (laughs) I could only imagine. I know, right? I never thought of that. Shit. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah, and that's the things that other people don't consider either. They just think, oh, he puts this, he does that. But no, most people who have a credible website like your guys, in your guys' case, actually do back check and have to have more than one source in certain cases, right? And I could only – yeah, and that is a big burden if you think about it. Holy shit. And not just in certain cases. Like I don't think there's really much we put out uh, that doesn't have multiple sources, you know. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I like interviews and do so many of them is those are the only times you really can do one source stories because you have the source on the record. Of course. Yes, that makes sense. You know, I just I'm, I just released a Nick Mondo interview, Sick Nick Mondo, Deathmatch Hall mm-hmm. of Famer. Of course. And uh, he, uh, he talked about how uh, Nick Gage, uh, we might see Nick Gage on AEW Rampage here because Rampage is a later time slot and he's heard that AEW might be wanting to do more Hardcore stuff on AEW Rampage. And yeah. I can point to this and say, hey, look, we got an update on Nick Gage and Rampage from somebody on the record. Exactly. Right? And so when people see interviews, like the thing with interviews for me, um, and I know we're, we're at the end here, but like. No, no, go for it. There are definitely people that like do interviews for clout. And then there are other people, I feel like me, who do interviews for news. Sure. Right. Uh I don't take people and just like to say, oh, I got to talk to Mick Foley or whatever. Like, if I've got Mick Foley, I'm like, hey, Mick, you put out this video talking about WWE having it. Let's 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 get into it, man. Mm. Like what what is happening here right now? You know, Um, and, you know, it's it's just it's a preference. Some people are very good at that pop style interview. You know, great. Oh, this person. I love them. Whatever. Fine. Great. I go in, it's like I'm given a, a steak, you know, and I can't wait to drive a knife and fork into it and just start to, you know, devour this thing, you know, and get the most out of it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No, that makes okay. sense. But I'll, I'll, I have to have, I have to add a third one. Not clout, not news, but fun. For someone in my case who started this literally in his late 30s, early 40s, I'm just having the time of my life talking to people I never thought I'd have the chance to. And I don't expect to make any money off of it or become famous off of it because the fun in itself is talking to people like yourself and like uh, the three things I love the most, video games, wrestling, and MMA. I never thought I'd talk to UFC Hall of Famers, uh, wrestling Hall of Famers. Like, you know what I mean? That shit just blows my mind. So I'll add that third one. That's fun. There's not many of us out there. (laughs) There's no bad reason to do interviews and stuff. You're having fun. You're having fun. You know, I'm just saying preference-wise, and maybe it's just because I'm like so deep in the woods with the new stuff, is like when I talk to somebody, like I'm talking, I'm usually talking to a guest in a very different way than a lot of other interviewers I feel like talk to. No, and your style is your style. It's whatever you're comfortable with, right? Yeah. All right, ready for the worst story? Oh, Steve, I am so ready for the worst story. Okay, well, as people know, October is Halloween month, obviously, so I tried to dig up something that's a little scary and weird well it's probably sad too if you think about it so this week's story comes from nigeria where a medical student freaked the fuck out during an exam and ran out of the room screaming so this person was studying to be a doctor and he was doing an exam of some sort and he just ran out screaming so (laughs) 
the exam was that the students had to perform an autopsy on cadavers. Which is normal. You think about it. Like, how are you going to become a doctor if you don't cut into something first? I, at least I hope so. I don't hope that these guys are like virgins cutting into something they've never done before. You know, and then all of a sudden you find out you can't and you're, you feel like in my case, for some odd reason, when I see a drop of blood, I pass out. Not because I'm scared, not because I don't like it. I just pass out. So I could never be a doctor. You know what I mean? So you have to have these exams. Makes sense, right? Sure. So when, okay. So when this, when the said student's cadaver was revealed, that's when he ran. Not because he was scared or anything, but because the cadaver was a friend of his who went missing. Right? If you could see Nick's face. Can you imagine this happening to you? I can imagine it, but what a nightmare. <laughs> now, do you think that's a sign? Should he even be a doctor? Or is this like, and how coincidental? Like, what are the fucking odds of this? Wow. I don't know if that's the worst story of the week or like, because I mean, he also like identified his missing friend, right? <laughs> Did he like tell the family, hey, I found Paul. That is true. Right? I mean, now at least they can have a proper funeral for the guy, right? He's not just like, his family's going to worry forever where he went. So that's kind of the silver lining in this, I guess. Well, I I don't know how it's there in the States or even up here in Canada, but I always thought it, because I always think of the weird shit and the stuff that people shouldn't think of for some reason. Where do they get these bodies from? Because obviously, no one's just going to hand over a dead body and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, here, experiment. And I don't think that's part of the old, what is it, uh, organ donor card or anything, right? I think that you can sign your body over can you? to... Yeah. Okay, well, it's different in Nigeria. Guess how they get their bodies. They're all criminal bodies that are dropped off by the police. And apparently his friend was part of it. But he wasn't a criminal because he had bullet holes. They thought he was a criminal. So he got kidnapped and then he later got shot by a, a gang and then he was, I guess, found. And uh, this, this is what the, they do for the cadavers down there. <laughs> Learn something new every day, right? I wouldn't be shocked if in the States they're just taking criminals' bodies and, and kicking them over to, to medical schools. That seems very American. I don't know why. Right? Or like John Doe. Like John Doe's or I guess Jane Doe's. Would make sense too, right? If unidentified, they have no family, no one knows who they are. Why, why throw out a good body? <laughs> yeah, I love the guy who's sitting around like, yeah, you know what? This makes sense, right? Let's just take these transients and let's chop them up. Yeah, you know, that's a that's just what we're gonna do, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Nick, really appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you very much. Plug your shit. Anything you want to promote? Where people can find you? Floors are yours. I feel like you did all the, I feel like this was, everything was in there. WrestlingInc.com, right. Wrestling for Life for Sean Waltman. Uh, this Saturday night, uh, Warrior Wrestling, Chicago Heights. Brett the Hitman Hart's going to be there. Beautiful. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And I'll be calling commentary with Rich Bikini, so come say hi. Uh, check that out. And uh, earlier in the day at 3 o'clock, I'll be at Wizard World doing the Sal, the Blake and Sal Pro Wrestling Podcast panel. And that's it, man. Yeah, at Nick underscore Houseman. That's me. Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And please, most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question before I let you go, my friend. From all the wrestlers you've dealt with over the years, who tells the best stories? 
tells the best stories? That's a great question. Um, I'd, I'd say Jimmy Corderas. Uh, and he's, I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass. But uh, Love it. Former I, guest. Former guest. And I agree. <laughs> I, I love Jimmy Corderas. Okay. He's one of my favorite people to talk wrestling with. He, he's worked with everybody. And since he was a ref, he wasn't getting hit in the head all the time. So he remembers everything. Right. And, and Jimmy will occasionally just pull out a story where you're just like, what? <laughs> like, wow. You know, and I, and I, and I, and since Jimmy and I are like close friends too, it's like, you know, he'll watch dark side of the episode and then call me and be like, you know, Nick, uh, I remember a little bit, you know, I'll just get private stories from Jimmy. You know who else is really good mm. is Bill Abner. Bill Abner okay. is that one I've Bill heard. Abner. Yes. It, Bill Abner has stories for days. He's a, he's wow. a wonderful person to talk wrestling with as well. That's awesome. Well, on that note, he's Nick. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.